thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. Your host, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. All right, welcome to the Know Thyself podcast. I'm here with Daniel. I'm Eduardo, and this has been a long time coming. And thank you so much to our listeners for uh, your patience, truly. And if you're a new listener, welcome. Um, you know, this this week and the rest of the season, we're going to be breaking down the various uh, symbols and archetypes within the tarot. And if you haven't listened to our intro to the tarot um, and the, and all the the, we're going to be basically breaking down from here on out with the major arcana and then into the minor arcana. Highly recommend listening to that. But, you know, as the the last couple of weeks have unfolded for Daniel and I, we've been sort of going back and forth on how we would start breaking these uh, archetypes down. And what we really wanted to discuss, because if you do your research on the tarot, you will find that there is endless and endless information on what the symbols are and what they really mean and how to interpret them. And it's not that we're not here to do that today, uh, but more so sort of bring our interpretation of what the real meaning is and how it resonates to me at least, and maybe even to Daniel, but also with the great aid of Daniel's um, knowledge on why it might make you feel a certain way or how you might interpret something and maybe be correct in, in, in versus, you know, the way someone might make you think you should be thinking about these symbols. And that's what's beautiful about the tarot is that, you know, we talked about that when we did, um, you know, that breakdown uh, on, the, on the deck is that, you know, how you interpret it and how you go about it and how it presents itself to you is a key component in how this works. You know, it's not so much as as it is literal, as it is sort of this personal journey. And and you know, what better card to pick than the first card? And the card that I'm so excited to talk about that you know will appear over and over, uh, and even in this journey of life is is the fool. And so I'm I'm very excited to um, start this conversation with you. And and uh, I know um, people have been waiting for this to to kind of take off for some time. And for those who don't know, I'm somewhere else in the country and so is Daniel. Um, so we've been having to um, do this, um, you know, uh, in different time zones. And so here we are without further ado. And uh, I can't wait, man. Let's start it with the fool. Yeah, absolutely. No. And that's, that's true. Just like the fool, we, you and I have both been on a little personal journey of experience and new adventure these last couple of weeks. And so what a better time to kind of take a look at this yeah. card, which is all about new beginnings, new experiences, taking on kind of that, that journey of life. And, you know, there's, there's so much information contained within these cards and these these archetypes. And we have universal application, and then we're also going to have personal application. And we're going to really look at the, the dance between the two and really find that we're almost playing in the middle. And we are kind of that middle component that kind of connects the, the beyond realm to this realm. And we're actually that medium that actually falls in between. 
And this is actually what the fool actually realizes. And this is, this is exactly what the card kind of entails. And so, you know, the first thing that we spoke about in, in that first episode, the mirror of the soul, we spoke about how the, the esoteric significance that was put on this card when it was made the transition from being the first card of the mm-hmm. deck to losing that number one and actually be assigning that zero right. and the importance that came from it and the significance that came from this. Um, when the Waitsmith Smith deck really kind of publicized this and kind of popularized this idea, everybody else kind of followed suit. Now they weren't the original individuals that kind of brought this idea forward, but it was part of a renaissance of this deeper esoteric Tarot knowledge. And you truly look at it. If you look at the old Italian decks, the fool card is, is a much different description, you know, and that's something we really want to think about depending on the deck you're using the cards, even though we're talking about the, the weight Smith deck in this conversation, and we're going to bring a little bit of the Dehoth deck and the brotherhood of light deck, you have to, you have to align your understanding of the cards to the symbols that are presented on each deck. So the fool card is going to kind of speak to your subconsciously different if you're looking at a 15th century Italian deck than if you're looking at the Wade Smith deck right. that comes on later. Because it's this is a this is your subconscious speaking to you. Okay. So a lot of people, um, you know, I think when they start getting in the tarot, they get really worried. They're like, oh, I don't like dealing with, you know, entities. I don't want to, I don't want to open a door that I can't close. This isn't mediumship so much when we're using the tarot because we're actually just using symbols to give our subconscious physical expression. Okay. So what the tarot card is, it's truly from force to form. It's taking things that are beyond words and putting it into a form that our subconscious can put in front of our conscious mind to teach us a deep lesson about our psyche and a deep lesson about universal archetypes in the process of incorporating these universal archetypes within ourselves. And so this, the first thing that you kind of want to look at with this Waite Smith deck is the number placement of this card. Because they did, they took it from the number one and they gave it the potential of zero. And this is really what's going to give this card fluidity. And this is what's going to actually give this card its ultimate expression. Because what's unique about this fool card when it gets assigned as zero, now the fool, when we're looking at the journey through the major arcana and even the connection between the major arcana and the minor arcana, it almost acts as a is a um, a medium point to kind of help that transformation into these new archetypes. And so you can kind of play a fool in all aspects of this understanding of the tarot. And it's actually really important to play the fool. And so we're really going to see the, the versatility of this card really blossom when we give it and assign it that numeral representation of zero. Because zero, again, is... In Western civilization, this is a relatively new idea that was reintroduced to us. It wasn't until the Crusades that actually the Crusaders from the West, when they were going into the Holy Land, actually were taught 
by Islamic mystics, the significance of zero. But prior to this, you know, with the use of Roman numerals, zero was not understood in the West. You know, now deep in the past, obviously it was, but this was something that was forgotten. But what the zero represents is the zero is the potential of all numbers. It has no, it's it's the cosmic egg. It's what all numbers are birthed from. And so it's this interesting aspect that we're going to kind of look at. And as we're kind of breaking down this fool card, we'll start to understand the significance of this zero um, and what this means to the individual, what this means to the personal process. And truly what this means is, is the full potentiality of the individual not yet expressed. And that's truly what the fool is. You know, it's this, it's kind of this leap of faith into this esoteric occult rabbit hole. And we don't know where the next step is coming when we take the aspect of the fool, but the journey is so important. And so this fool is really almost this master card that works all the way around all the other tarot cards. And it really kind of sets itself apart from the rest of the tarot cards because it's not defined by a numerical representation. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you clarified that. You know, um, it's it's important to have that understanding because, you know, as we, you know, talk about the rest of of the cards, you know, this will uh, appear uh, several times, you know, and, and there's a reason for that. And I think that sort of, uh, understanding of, of where its number uh, represents that sort of never really defined um, point in place, you know, always being in the zero is, is crucial. So yeah, man. You know, and you, and it's just so funny because you, at all moments, you can always play the fool, whether for good or for bad. Right. And that's what it's letting you know, like, even when we're you know, we're, when we're in the chariot and we feel like we're in command of the esoteric forces within us, right? Even when we're in that strength card and we're showing that sun energy of the self, really gaining domain over that left side active consciousness of ourselves, we still have the opportunity to fall into this fool card. And again, for good or bad, you know, in the, in modern explanation, we really look at the fool as kind of a negative thing. But that wasn't its earliest understanding. The fool really kind of represents this new beginning. And now, can you be doing a new beginning that's going to kind of lead to your destruction? Of course. But can you be doing a new beginning that leads to your liberation? Absolutely. And that's what this fool card is going to kind of be looking at. And it's really going to help paint the path of how we enter the rabbit hole. Absolutely. Right? How do we look at the world from upside down? and come out a more complete individual because it is a scary leap of faith that this that this fool card is going to take us on but so important for the independent spiritual development of an individual absolutely well said man no i think you know i like that you um to go back just a bit with your um definition of the of the fool the word itself especially in in modern time for ourselves, it has to be redefined and and it, it won't be redefined by us, obviously. But one thing that's, that's great is that that word in itself still gives it the life that it had when it was created, because either you have the understanding of your instinct or the word itself can define, you know, your um, hesitancy to take the leap of faith because you're like, I don't want to be seen as the fool. So therefore I will deny the journey 
that is, you know, before me. And so it still kind of makes its way into our lives by having to have that trust and instinct. And that's something that's very important with the fool is that it'll say that in different interpretations that, again, whether it's going down a path of of negativity or of positivity, you know, your instinct should also be something that is guiding you within that leap of faith. You know, it's, it's, it's something that people go, oh, well, maybe I'll just start going the opposite direction than everyone else. And it's like, well, look, no one's saying that it's always going to work out, but you should still at least use your instinct for such a decision that maybe society not necessarily has prepared you for because they want you to sort of follow this this life of maybe um you know ordinary rules and and maybe just sort of a um a more base level of of getting exactly what you need rather than exploring the options that are far beyond our um wildest dreams and i think that that's something that we all are going to struggle with in this journey of life especially with again the the rules of society and the way that we have you know been brought up in the, into this world um that structure you know isn't always there for everyone and but it is always up to you to decide when it is time to let go of that structure if it no longer serves you and the fool has that understanding because he has everything he needs but he also is well aware that thinking too much may not be the greatest thing, but still having that instinctual um, uh, purpose will guide you mm-hmm. just enough to not take the leap too far and fall down to your demise, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, no, and you know, I think the full card is that great explanation of, you know, there's what you know, there's what you don't know, and there's what you don't know you don't know. And that makes up a majority of the information, right? That aspect of the things that I don't know that I don't know, right? Yeah. Like I can sit here right now and say like, I don't understand, you know, astrophysics goes a little bit over my head, but there's stuff in astrophysics that I don't even know I don't know, right? I know I can't approach that subject and just talk about it, but there's there's so much information that I don't even know that I'm unaware of, Yes, right? And that's what the fool's looking to do. The fool is that is that eagerness this is an Alice in Wonderland this is following the rabbit into the tunnel this is entering this new world and this new landscape and there's something very scary about breaking away from the social norms you know there's something very scary when we when we kind of approach life through this transformative aspect that the fool represents and you know even just you know, this, this is an archetype that needs to be incorporated with you because even when you aren't playing the fool, how do you respond when you see this archetype in life? You know, think about when you're, you're driving with an individual and maybe it's like an older individual. Maybe it's a little bit person who kind of follows the rules a little bit. Watch, watch the reaction somebody has to a young hitchhiker right? Like maybe a bearded individual, maybe like, you know, a girl with dreadlocks that's, that's hitchhiking on the road, sitting in the car with somebody, watch the, watch what these archetypes do and what it pulls out of people. Some people are going to see that person and recognize themselves as a young age as like, Oh, I remember when I was a little punk rocker and I was journeying, I'm going to pull over and give this person a ride right? They, they recognize a part of themselves that was very important in their development and they want to assist that. Well, you could also be in the car that this makes somebody 
freaking furious, right? They see this, they see me because I'm the guy that's hitchhiking with the beard, right? And they're like, freaking hippie, why doesn't that person get a job? And they actually like speed away and they're they're just, they're hot and heavy because of it. It actually like ruins their whole day. They're like, if I could just take that kid, get him a haircut, put him into a nine to five job like he deserves and actually teach him what life is all about. This is an individual who avoided the fool as a child. And now that archetype was never incorporated within themselves. And that causes this anger to arise. And so again, we're not always representing these tarot cards. Sometimes they're in our external environment, but how do you respond when these archetypes are presented to you? And and understanding your response to them is going to be a good indicator if they are properly incorporated within yourself. So, uh, you know, we have to always be kind of incorporating these cards, but, but you know that like, even when we were like little punk rock skaters, right? And we were skating outside of a Walgreens, there would be an old guy that would come out that would give us a candle so we could wax up the side. Like, you know, he would be like, oh, use these candles to wax up the curbs. Like he, he probably like had that experience in life or he never had that experience in life, but he understands how important it is and he doesn't want to take it away rather than like the individual that comes up and like grabs our skateboard out of our hands and is like trying to fight us. And we're like, dude, you're like 40 and we're like 13. Like, what are you doing here? And he's like puffing out his chest and he's like getting in your face. And you're like, we're just skateboarding behind a Walgreens. Like, why is this making you so angry? And it's because this individual never took on this archetype, right? Or they took on this archetype and and they didn't see it to completion. They stuck their head in the rabbit hole and it was too scary. So they pulled themselves out. What we're starting to see their response to this. And so it's so Absolutely. funny because, you know, this fool is, we see it when we're looking at this card and it kind of looks like a, a like kind of like a homeless individual, their clothes are kind of in shambles, you know? Um, but this is very much how the outside sees the fool. Right. Actually, I love everything you're saying and you're reminding me. So uh, recently I've, I've been uh, finishing this book by an author named Sebastian Younger. And um, he's got a great, great book uh, out there called Tribe. Um, and and it's it's really um, the beginning of his book where he talks about exactly what you just said, and he goes on his journey when he's I think um, maybe in his early twenties. You know, forgive me if if I'm getting that wrong, but the point being in the story is he only has enough food for himself while he's backpacking, and he comes across what he describes as an external interpretation of another individual who looks like a vagabond, and his first um and his first uh reaction is like, this guy is going to rob me of what I have. But the guy is very calm. He's an older gentleman uh, with a kind of a scraggly look. And he says to him, uh, you know, well, where are you going? And he says, well, you know, this is like the journey I'm taking from, I think the Midwest over to the West. I'm not really sure. Again, it's not important. The details, if you do read this little passage he has there, but his whole point on this story is everything you're saying, because he, he approaches the man with some hesitation and the man says to him, um, you know, well, what do you have in your bag? And you, the reader, have this understanding that he only has enough, again, for himself. But he's got plenty of food and he almost feels like, you know, I, I, I don't want to tell him how much food I have. Um, I don't want to tell him how much resources are, or how, what the resources in my bag are. And the guy says to him um, shortly after, do you have 
enough to eat? And so he says, I do. And the guy goes, well, what do you have? And he says, oh man, this is, this is where it's going to kind of turn probably for the worst. So he says, I just, all I have is a sandwich and like a bottle of water. And the man who looks sort of disheveled says, well, that's not going to be enough for you to get to where you're going. And the man hands him his own meal from his bag and says, here, you're going to need more than just that. And that's literally how his whole journey turns completely around as he embarks on this uh, walk in, in his life to the unknown. And so it changes whole perspective from the very get-go that he was already approaching this, not incorrectly, but with a more closed uh, heart than an open heart. And so that's how his whole basically um, book goes in, into, into detail on how that stuck with him for the rest of his life. And so everything you just said, I just wanted to put a, you know, uh, uh, my little spin on it because it, it just really resonates with, with that story, but you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's something that either people, again, they, they, the, when you read about the fool, you will have individuals describe what it's like to look down the rabbit hole and see this pit of darkness, but never go far, you know, further beyond as far as their, their neck can stretch them to, to look down that hole. And that's where they kind of, you know, stop. And you will find these individuals in your path of life where, you know, um, anger is definitely going to be something that they'll lean on to or fear in order to keep that sort of um, ordinance in their life to, um, to not go down that journey. And finding individuals who have taken that path and have come back and forth down the rabbit hole and back out the rabbit hole can really distort um you know, their perfect idea of, of what their life is, um, or what they've created. So anyways, carry on, man. I just thought I'd say that because I literally just read this book and I was, I was like, oh my gosh, the story is exactly what you're saying. So, um, yeah. Right. And, and you know, then that's so beautiful because you're right. The great thing about Tarot is once you start studying it, you're like, oh wait, I know this. This is something I've seen. This is, this happened in my experience. This happened in a book I seen this, this was in a movie. And of course, this is the universal experience. We're going to see it with all of the cards, the major arcana and the minor arcana. This one is just such a unique one because it, it fits between. And it's actually like the connecting piece. That's how you actually make the transition into these new archetypes. You have to approach life through this aspect of a fool, you know, right. this, it, whether it's a cave, a tunnel, a rabbit hole, you're a fool to enter it. But you're a fool if you don't go on that journey, because what's in that journey is, is the unfoldment of the self. Yes. It's the unfoldment of the individual, and it's the true essence coming to fruition, right? right? It's that light shining through without any blockage. And we really do need to kind of, as we start this journey, really need to connect back to our spiritual instincts. Absolutely. Something that we were kind of, you know, through indoctrination through the the alignment to materialization, we're, we're taught to kind of abandon these spiritual instincts. I like how it's described as the as the animating force of the universe and and you can feel that in individuals, you know, whether you're wearing one piece of clothing or another, the clothing isn't what makes the individual as it is their connection between the micro and the macro. And how it just sort of oozes out of their, you know, being, you know, they're not denying themselves from that, you know, force of the universe, that animating force of the universe, which I like, you know, as it's described by the Greeks, uh, they, sp they spoke of this, but, um, but yeah. 
Yeah, no, man. And and that's it. And that's what makes this this so powerful. You know, and it's the same thing with astrology. You start reading astrology and you start studying it. You're like, I've seen these archetypes. I see these archetypes in you and I see these archetypes in me. And it's the same thing that's going through in these beautiful pictograph experiences that are beyond words. Because again, we could do a whole series, a whole podcast series on just the full card. It's it's ever ending, right? And one of the things that we're going to start to see with these major arcanas is perceived opposites within these cards. They contain mm-hmm. so much that they actually com- contain polarities. And what is the spiritual path? But you know, finding that that middleized aspect between polarities. You know, bringing together the opposites is so important in our unfoldment. And you know, there was. Um, a great Ellie, a great quote by T.S. Eliot um, in his in his in his work on the four quartets, and this was actually brought to my attention by Michael Cesarian, who again, a very good researcher in this esoteric information, always trying to you know we're always having people reach out about like, hey, what's what's a good you know modern day researcher I can look into? I always suggest Michael Cesarian's work. But he brought up this this T.S. Eliot quote, and I, and I think it explains the fool to perfection. It says, we shall not cease from explore, exploration, and the end of our exploring will be the arrival where we started and know that place for the first time. And so it's so interesting because we're on this journey and we think it's this journey to far land landscapes. We think we're going to approach this magical world, but all we're doing is actually returning back to the magical world that lives within us. And that's what we're going to kind of see through this, this journey of the fool, as well as the, the 12 labors of Hercules. Spirituality Although we have these beautiful symbols and these things that help us like tarot cards that gives us an external ex- understanding of what internally is happening within mm-hmm. us, spirituality is more like a Rubik's cube. You already have the perfection and the balance of all these colors and all these aspects within you. It's not so much collecting them in the outside, it's moving the cube to get all the colors in their right place. But that's what spiritual work is. You're you're actually working on your own internal cube. You're you're reorientating these aspects that might be dormant, that might be hidden from you, but nothing's coming from the outside. Like we can get inspirations in the story of Hercules. We can get inspiration in the story of Jesus and the Buddha, but they're telling you, you already have all the pieces. It's the reorientation of these pieces to make sure that these spiritual essences are actually being expressed through you. And the more you can align that cube and align those colors, the more light that's going to shine through us. And that's the thing. We are we are not the light. You know, our bodies are we are the light that shines through. We are not our bodies. We are the light that shines through. We are not the lamp. We are the light that shines through the lamp. And that's what we're kind of looking at is this reorientation of all these aspects and components in ourself and the moving it around, the re-looking at it um, to make them have their fullest expression. And Absolutely. so that's what we're looking for, you know, that reorientation. Yeah. No, I, I yep. 
you know, in the major arcana, it said that, you know, how this all comes about, you know, is during that difficult transition. And that's something that really resonates with me. And, and I hope it does with some of the listeners that, you know, where there is this, you know, um, the, the full card, it sort of is there to aid us to make that, that leap, you know, from one into the next. And, and it yeah. can be scary. It can be terrifying. I think that's again, where you're sort of tested, um, you know, because you have everything you need. And we've spoken of this through many of the podcasts, we have everything we need. We, the universe, you know, how it goes between, you know, the mic, the macro and, and the micro, it's working through us, but it's when we deny that force that, you know, things may or may not be going our way. And, you know, because of that, we, I think in a very stubborn way, it's in our, it's in our uh, journey as, as humans, you know, we, we might take longer to see that, you know, the answer may not be right in, in something so, um, this transformation, sometimes I think it, it takes place it needs to takes place, take place within your, ourselves rather than this external transformation. I think a lot of people can relate to that when they've moved from one place to another, because the whole process of moving physically from say one state to another state, um, in a country, um, they, they feel the energy that is working with them in that, that full card that we're talking about. They're like, oh, I'm going to move to this new place, new people, new things. But slowly you fall back into the exact same pattern you had from where you left before. And then it kind of dies out and people go, well, what happened? You know, I, I left my environment, you know, it went from high desert to, you know, this alpine uh, look and then the trees have changed and everything. But why am I back to the same place? Well, you never really took the internal actual leap. You took the external leap, which is great. And you'll have a very small taste of what it might do for you when you change your environment, but the environment that needs to be changed is within, not necessarily the external. And that's why, you know, the saying of, you know, um, the grass isn't greener on the other side. I mean, sometimes it can be, but if you don't change what's going on within and this full card will explain that to you, um, you know, it's not really going to connect to that inner light you're talking about that shines through us. You know, changing the body into something else, like buying the nicest suit may work in some aspects of the external world. But if, again, if you don't change what's going on internally, that light doesn't shine as bright. And therefore, those who are looking for someone like yourself won't see you. And that's how you will miss opportunities. That's how you will miss new um, new paths that are there for you. They're They're ready for you but are you ready for them? And I feel like this is what the fool is sort of showing you, you know, within its card. And and one thing I want to talk about, I know that we said we wouldn't break everything down specifically, but man, there's so many in, in, in the Wade card, there's so much that is shown in the images. Do you want to go into that? Do you want to talk about the images on the Wade card for those who are listening? Or do you want to sort of um, no, absolutely. I think, um, and again, you know, we kind of suggested um, everybody to to kind of, if they could get a deck of the Wade Smith card, because it's just such a good archetypal lesson and tool to bring on our journey. But again, this information is online. So if you if you don't want to purchase the deck, please just look up the Wade Smith deck. We're, we're going to be talking about the full card, because I think that's a perfect way. And I think that will be a good way to kind of guide the rest of the conversation if we kind of break it down. But, you know, one thing we want to, I want to kind of address right before we break this card down is how the fool, we're going to see a lot of these archetypes that come through the card and it's going to be stories that get represented in religion, 
right? We're going to see the strength card in religious stories. We're going to see, you know, the, um, the high priestess in religious stories. The fool card isn't very much in organized religion. We don't see it in, you know, um, you know, Catholicism. We, we don't see it in a lot of these organized religions. And, and there's a reason for this, right? Because organized religions are a little bit more of a structure. They organize religions kind of, it's more of a guiding aspect of, you know, not so much how to think, but what to think. So the fool card is very challenging to organized religions because they want you to kind of follow the leader. You know, they want you just to kind of do the ritual, just eat the cracker, drink the wine and sit down and you're saved. Where the fool card is going to look for something deeper. And so the fool card we're going to see in mythology come a lot more as an archetype and even more in fairy tales. We're going to see this, this archetype of the fool, but this very much has been a hidden, a hidden component of the spiritual work. And we were actually kind of told that like, you know, if you go looking in this upside down world, this world of the archetypes, the world of the mind and the spirit, and you leave the safety of your landscape, of your jobs, your families, you know, and you really step outside the outside world, you know, exoteric religions were like, hey, if you if you step outside of society, you might not ever make it back. You might never make it back to the safety net. But the truth is, is if you don't lose that safety net, you're never truly going to find your own inner divinity. Because there's very little spiritual progress that actually happens with these modern exoteric religions, right? We think right. about religion, religare, which is the Latin word. It means to bind back. And so that can mean to either bind back to the source, which is true religion, or to hold you back on your spiritual progress, right? And this is why, you know, you can talk to people who claim that they're religious and they don't really have any kind of spiritual aspirations, but they drop a couple dollars when that jar goes around and they go to church on Sundays. But there's no spiritual aspects where the fool is actually the much more superior, much more spiritual, much more religious individual. But from the outside, you know, from the outside viewers, it doesn't look this way. And so this is again why this story had to come up in mythology. This is why it was you know, this is why the Bible doesn't contain a lot of stories about the fool, because again, they were trying to make an organization. They were really trying to kind of social engineer the spiritual development of other of individuals. But the truth is, is your spiritual development unfolds within you. Nobody can tell you what your purpose is. Nobody can tell you what your destiny is. This has to be uncovered by you. Now there's there's institutions like, you know, there's things like alchemy, astrology, and spirituality that can help help with this process. But at the end of the day, it starts with you and it ends with you. And that's what we're going to be kind of looking at this fool card. And so let's do it, man. If we kind of take a look at what we're we're looking at with this Waite Smith deck, and you know, you you do, you see this landscape. Um, and the first thing that we kind of want to look at is is the sun in that right corner, right? Yep. And if we're looking at this, at the fool and, and he's on his journey, we can see that the sun is rising because it's in the east. We can tell the direction of him, you know, if his head is north 
and that back is east. So we see a rising sun. We see a new potential, potential, the dawn of a new day. Right. And remember, we always spoke about we are the princes and princesses from the king of the east, which is the rising sun, the son of God. And we come from the king of east, and we're actually royalty. It's our birthright to be the carriers of this rising sun, which is this, right, this rising spiritual aspect. And so this really does bring this, this, this feeling of a dawn of a new day, this dawn of this new spiritual enlightenment that is, that is coming, and it's actually going to guide us on this journey. And so right there from the sun, we have this experience of this, you know, this, this new frontier, this new adventure, right? This is us sticking our head down the rabbit hole. It's a new kind of experience. It's this, it's this dawn of the new day. And it shows how the sun is, is guiding us in our journey. It's going to illuminate and it's going to follow us all the way on this journey. And it's even going to take us into the underworld and it's going to be with us and it's always behind us. And this is something that is so important. When you start aligning yourselves, when you start to notice God, God notices you. And this is going to be this big implication that comes from that. You know, you know, the it's actually not very hard to get the original gangster, the OG of all life's attention. A little bit goes a long way with the you know, the the lowest common denominator. And it's that force we talk about that that kicks you back. As soon as you start making a step forward, the universe makes a step towards you. It comes and it meets you half what? Right. Every day you awake to do this uh, once again, it's there for you and it guides you in the same direction every Absolutely. single day. And so it's always waiting on you. It's waiting for you to have that realization, but it has your back quite literally as you go on to the journey. And that's actually something to to add into with the demeanor of the fool, just the way he's walking. You know, there's a there's some sort of uh, position and 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 that shows and lends itself to his confidence. You know, if if you look at the way he sort of has his step, it's not so much of a arduous leap as it is sort of a beautiful dance. And and that kind of goes into like how he holds the white rose. I love the way he holds the white rose. You know, the 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 white rose as it's been interpreted as as that passion, that symbol, the symbol of passion. Um, and then the the color, of course, right? You know, the white that purity. Yes. Um, but, but I love what you're saying, not to, to, to move on too quickly onto everything else onto the card, but it's so important because I think that everyone looks at the image and they see all the, the different, um, uh, symbols and they're interpreting them, but you might just miss the sun and you might just miss the zero above his head, right. uh, just by looking at all the beautiful colors. And, and of course, you know, the creature that is barking at his feet, the, the, the white dog. And, and then there's of course the cliff and everything else we're going to talk about, but I just, I'm so happy you talked about the sun first. So, um, yeah. I know well, I kind of just jumped into the white rose, but do you want to carry on with that? No. And that's perfect. And again, we're looking at color correspondences. Remember, Pixie was a genius at this. This is there's a reason why that white rose of purity has a very similar color to the sun on this card. And if you look at the dog, the dog is represented with a very similar color. There's a connection between these. It's as the above, so the below, right? The sun right. is our guiding. And then what that dog is going to represent is 
you know, and we can kind of get into that, but kind of that instinct aspect, it's like the Toto on the journey, but we're going to kind of talk about even the direction because, you know, you did a great job with talking about the rose and you think about it, like, you know, if you like, you're with like a child, um, especially like, you know, if you've ever been with like a child, that's like a Pisces and you give them something like a, a white rose, they do, they, they hold it with this magical intent. They don't grip it. They don't, they hold it with this delicateness and that's what it is holding your, your purity in this new rebirth. And, you know, even the idea that he's holding this with his left hand, which represents the more world of the, the left hand is more of the, the world of materialism. So it even sees the beauty in this five cents construct jungle where everything is trying to eat you. Right. And, but he still right. sees the beauty in it. He's, he's finding this joy. There's this carelessness about him. You know, there's, yes. there's two cards that they're not just standing straight at you with, with, you know, with like, um, a lot of form. The fool card looks like it's somebody that's almost dancing in the world card looks like somebody's dancing and that's the alpha omega of this situation. And that's what we're going to kind of work our way into. But yeah, man, you bring it up perfectly. Like it's this, it's this aspect of kind of like starting to kind of go with the flow and how you do, you kind of have to kind of just go on that journey. Like even, even when I was approaching spirituality, when I had my first kind of spiritual experience after I ate those awesome mushrooms. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I I remember this. I always liked this. It was any book I could find, right? Um, I was picking up anything on spirituality. And some of the stuff I was reading now that I reflect back on, I'm like, oh, that was that was some social engineering. Like that wasn't the best information. That was a little bit um, tainted by, um, by individuals, but either way I was taking in so much information and it was this really beautiful time of this, is this opening and this eagerness to kind of look at everything. And that, you know, that's great because it goes back to, you know, and, and it's, again, it's in the card, but I'm going to go back a little bit from what we started talking about. But remember, as we talked about the number zero, you know, you're ready to go in any direction. You know, he does not, the fool does not belong to a specific place. And what's great about that is is same thing with spirituality or even philosophy. You know, I think a lot of us get so caught up in the idea that if you have something that sort of resonates with you, well, then this is now how I'm going to become more militant about information that you don't know about. Therefore, I might withhold information from you because you I might have an incorrect understanding that you don't understand what I understand. Therefore, I'm now blocking myself out. But the fool is constantly bringing those walls down because, again, that number zero is so imperative as it you know shows you that you know it's it's there's no specific place. And spirituality, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and again, philosophy should carry that exact number and that sort of um, graceful dance that the fool has because we don't know everything. And by admitting we know nothing, we only want to know everything. And that has a beautiful Mm -hmm. uh, formula for you to sort of explore yourself and this path over and over and over again. No matter how many times you think you've fallen, you might have just fallen to rise, you know, and... That's yeah. how I like to at least, you know, see, see this journey. But, uh, but yeah, I, I agree, man, um, with what you're saying. Yeah. You know, and it's so cool too, because you, you think about that zero, right. That's up above there. And now again, we're touching the archetypal correspondence 
of the sigil of, of the right. sun. If you think about astrology, the sun is a circle with a little dot in the middle, and this is what it's representing. And even when you look at the background, it's yellow. It's all sunlight. There's no clouds. The sky's not blue. This is very much a, an extension of the rising sun. And even in, you know, even and there's even debate that the fool card was actually the soul card because mm. in translations from old languages, a lot of times the F and the S could get confused because of different handwriting styles. And a lot of people believe that this was more of the rising sun card and there was a rising sun card and then there was actually a sun card. But that's what we're kind of looking at. This is almost like your rising sign kind of making its identity. You're taking a, a breath of a new life, a new opportunity. And we do, we have this this care, carelessness about us. Now, that carelessness can become foolishness. You know, it's 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 one of the things that's about tarot is there's no right card or bad, there's not a good card or a bad card, but there is a card to play at a certain time. Right. And the time constraint is really important. You know, there's times that we can't play the fool. There's sometimes that we need to call in our strength. We need to call in that chariot. Like we need to protect ourselves and we can't be this careless energy. But if we... <laughs> try to hold on to reality at the times that we're supposed to let go, you know, that's when we can actually be damaged by those cards. And so again, the timing of these cards is what's so important. And we don't stay attached to just one because we're always kind of, kind of in this transition, you know? And so we do, we have this, this young individual who's kind of going on this journey. Um, but the big thing that we need to kind of notice about this fool. And again, we're going to kind of talk about the exoteric aspects and then the esoteric right. aspects. And so we see that he's approaching this cliff, right? And we have his dog, which is really kind of like that animal instinct and that intuition, kind of alerting him that he's approaching danger. Okay. And this does, this represents a couple of things. One, this represents, you know, even the aspect of our of our consciousness that doesn't understand and doesn't see the next step, but how important it is to take that step because the step will be provided by the universe. We might not know the next step of our adventure, but it's important that we go on this journey, right? And this and this dog is almost alerting it. It's truly like it represents Toto. This is definitely a hundred percent Dorothy. Right. You know, we have the basket, we have the dog. This is. This is her becoming into Oz, right? This is that entry in. But one thing that we esoterically need to recognize here is in the West, we read left to right. He's traveling right to left. This is why it's the circle card. Are we starting a journey or are we returning from a journey? Is this dog alerting us from danger or is this a dog that remembers us, a familiar dog that's right. running out of the village to greet us on the return home from a journey? And that's truly what this fool card is. It's returning returning back to the source. You're returning back to the spiritual instincts that were your God-given aspects of your life. That was the gift given to you by the creator. And now you're actually returning back to these, to these things that you let go, that you kind of released as you went through maturity, as you went through adulthood. And this is what we're really doing. It's that returning back to source. And so, you know, there's, 
most, there was a reason why Wade Smith had him going from right to left because it's more of a return back to the infinite. And we talk about that, you know, it's go back to the source, go back to the source. And that's something we're seeing. It's not so much the start of a new journey. And if it is the start of a new journey, it's the start of the journey to make it back Absolutely. home. But is that dog alerting us of the of the thing or is or is that dog greeting us? Because now we're finally coming back home to our spiritual instincts. And now that dog is coming to like welcome us back home to our true home, which is in the girdle of Isis, yes. which is back in our home of ultimate creation, right? We're back in the true cube, not the false cube. We've we're uh, we're in the process of deplugging ourselves from the matrix and returning to the true cube, which is Mother Earth, Mother Nature, creation. Well, well you know, one one thing I wanted to add into that is, you know, even in in our physical uh, world right now, um, outside of the card, you know, it is said that many of the animals especially mammals, of course, they have that spiritual connection um, with, with us. Either you deny yourself, and by denying yourself, the animal you fear becomes, you know, the sort of ferocious being. Or if you're on the path of truth mm -hmm. and sort of alignment, you can feel that the animal is, and this is said in um, in the 78 degrees of wisdom, I like that it says that, you know, we, we bring in this um, this idea of the animal being benign. But that happens within the mm -hmm. actual world that we live in, even with animals. And so I like that the, the representation in this card is this this animal is encouraging you to go on this journey, but it could also be the same animal that alerts you that, you know, what are you denying yourself from? And therefore, you know, we're no longer aligned here together. And so, you know, people will say that about even with, mm -hmm. with their own dogs, you know, it's just like either you're aligned with within yourself or you're not and the animal can sense that. And so even in our, again, our physical world right now, without having to even go into the interpretation of this card, you can have that uh, relationship. And I think that it's great that in this card, you know, it's right there to, to show you that evidence of, of the, the path that you're on returning home, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's, and that's it because like you even see, like the mountains in the in the landscape and they're and we're walking away from these mountains and they see the up and down experiences of the material world. And you do, you have these ups and downs and these ups and downs, but we can see that there's no there's no security in the material world. There's no security in the physical. There's not even security in the mental. The only true security, how we build the Ark of Noah, is through spiritual security. And that's what we're going on this journey. We're down, we're done with doing these ups and downs of life. You know, oh, I'm on top and then I lose everything. Oh, I did this and then it's gone. You know, had the great relationship, relationship is over. We're starting to see we can't put our security in external right. physical things because the fool is starting to understand that all physical things will turn the sand and blow away. And the only thing that's eternal is the eternal self. And that's what we put our cards in. That's who we take that leap of faith to explore, to understand, and to reorientate back into our lives. And so, perfect. Like, whether this dog is alerting us of, of danger or welcoming us back home, either way, it's that, it's that intuitive spiritual instinct. And remember, did we not see that throughout the, throughout the whole Wizard of Oz? Did it Toto save the day every time? Every time that 
you know, she was caught by the witch, even when she made it to Oz and they were going to get on that hot air balloon. Who gets her off that hot air balloon? Right. Toto. Always kind of that alerting. And are we listening to that spiritual, you know, that spiritual connection? Or are we just listening to the the talking head on the news? And we just kind of nod our heads to what's kind of said to us, where this this dog is allowing allowing you to be like, you can perceive truth. Right. Well, internally. acting from instinct. And that's what it's doing. And it, I was going to say acting from instinct uh, is often, you know, seen as, yeah. as dangerous. And, and, you know, you have countless authors who will tell you how um, those who don't want you to rely on the forces of nature and instinct um, are 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 there to sort of con- continuously confuse and um, elude you to to their rules of life and so here you have again a, a constant reminder that's telling you you know you know better act on that instinct don't deny that instinct and it, mm-hmm. and to use that instinct isn't this is where I think there's a, a fallacy here is that to, to act on that instinct isn't operating on a lower self. Because I think that's where people fear using their instincts. They think, "What I'm it, is what I'm doing foolish." Well, in so many ways, it is, but it might be the right thing to do, and it's okay. And that's where you need to sort of give yourself the space. You need to give yourself the opportunity to to really um, to not deny that path. You know, um, that feeling that that we all have inside, and we all know that feeling. You know, you all know when you are denying yourself, you know, the true glory of what your journey has um, for you as it unfolds for you. And sometimes like the, you know, the worst thing you can do in denying that is, you know, just um, take up the time that was given to you as a gift to, you know, explore that journey. And so, um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. And you know, and there's a difference between physical instinct right. and spiritual instinct. You know, it's that, it's that creating of that intuition. And of course we, you know, our, our physical instinct, because they, they kind of keep us in this fear state. They keep us in this R complex. That isn't something we want to operate from this, this, I'm either going to eat or I'm going to eat you kind of thing. No, that's, that's what keeps, that's what keeps fear recycling. And that's how they recycle the system. And they, they almost put it on autopilot. So this is, again, this is a coming back to the spiritual instinct and that spiritual intuition. That's awesome. And, and you know, what's, what's great is that, you know, some people think, am I, am I, am I prepared? I may have the instinct, but am I prepared? And the full card will tell you about how the fool carries his experiences. And so let's, you know, let's talk about what he carries in order to have that confidence when the instinct calls to him in order for him to stay on that sort of again, the animating force of the universe, but I like how, you know, these experiences that we all have, you know, um, and we talk about this even through alchemy, you know, will aid you in this transmutation, you know, and, and it's imperative that you take the experiences with you because they are there with you and there's no need to, um, you know, abandon them or deny the experiences that have occurred in order to aid you when you have that self-doubt, when the instinct sort of kicks in, the spiritual instinct that is. So, uh, but yeah, let's go take, let's take it away with the bag, the bag over his shoulder, man. Now that I'm bringing up experiences, I just realized yeah. that they're. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so important because you're right. Our individual doesn't deny his experiences. He's not trying to run away from his experiences, but it's also not 
an obscene amount of baggage that we carry around. You know, he keeps his experiences on his right shoulder, right? So that's his spiritual shoulder, but he keeps his experiences light. He doesn't have baggage. He doesn't have lead. There's no lead in that bag. We carry around lead and then we need to have so much things to hold our lead. We need to have these extra rooms in our house to to kind of carry this extra compartments within our psyche to hold part of the things that we don't want to see. <clears throat> this individual is has lightened his load. So he hasn't forgot about what's got him to this place. He carries these experiences, but it's not this overwhelming, you know, heavy lead aspect. There's a lightness to it. Um, and even the the um what he's carrying it with, which is that, which is that stick, which, you know, again, esoterically, we're gonna see this come up as a suit in mm. this conversation, and it's gonna be the wands. And so this truly is this almost this this wand that's gonna represent fire, you know, and and again, kind of with the world card. Notice how he holds the wand or the staff so differently than all of the other cards. The only other one who kind of holds it vicariously like that or holds it very, um, you know, softly in their hands and it's almost like loose in their hands is going to be the world card. This is kind of the alpha omega thing, but everybody else, the chariot, the um, the emperor, they're going to hold their wands in a, with a strong grip. Well, what we're going to see here is there's a lightness. There's a whole lightness to this, this aspect of what he carries. But one of the most important symbols that's almost hard to see in the classic deck on the, on the more radiant one, it's, it's a little bit more of a, a symbol that you can perceive, but actually on that bag is oh, an eagle. eagle. Yeah. There's an eagle's head on that bag. And what this really represents is is the evolution away from base desires. And this is really going to be looking at Scorpio. And we're also about to kind of approach the planet Pluto because what these both look at is Scorpio is all about cycles and patterns. And there's three representations of Scorpio. Scorpio is actually that mental, that middle representation, and it represents the mental realm. The lower version of Scorpio represents the snake, um, not the mythological snake, not the serpent wisdom that we've been talking about, but more that snake of illusion, right? But the highest aspect of Scorpio is actually the eagle or the phoenix. And that's what it's telling is our, 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 our inner desires have been put through transmutation. And so now they're getting their spiritual expression through. And that's what this eagle is going to represent is even our, our base desires that create so much heavy baggage in our life. Because again, desires need expression. You can't just bottle up desires. You can't bottle up Scorpio energy. Scorpio is a water sign, but it's right. boiling water. So if you try to put a lid on that, it's going to be like a tea kettle that you put a lid on that cracks and you're actually going to burn from the inside. You need to express Scorpio energy. Scorpios are very powerful signs, but they need to have an expression. And the whole journey of a Scorpio is going from that snake base materialistic expression of these cycles and these patterns to the utmost highest spiritual expression of this energy from the from the snake to the eagle right this is what we see in the flag of mexico 
Mexico, again, was a serpent cult. And so we see them in their flag, you have the eagle overtaking the snake. So you have the higher aspirations of Scorpio overtaking the lowest aspirations of Scorpio. And this is a journey that everybody needs to go through. Whether you have your Scorpio in your sun, your moon, Scorpio rules one of your houses in astrology. One of the 12 houses has Scorpio ruled and you need to look at the cycles and patterns that happen in this area of life and you need to take it through transformation. You need to take it to that highest octave of expression from passion to compassion, right? This is what we do. We literally take this base energy that's created at your root chakra and we need to light it up the chakras and it needs to come out of that solar plexus, well, right? This is why- connection between spirit and sex, your sex and your spirit. Absolutely, you know? And this is again, when in Egypt, you see it, you see the cobra coming out of people's waist. This is their base desires getting expression. You can just- walk around like i'm i'm in like florida now you can go into miami you can see a lot of cobras at people's waist right everybody's pushing through that sexual energy you're supposed to raise that up and it needs to come out of your forehead it's supposed to come out of your third eye and that's the eagle that's the phoenix you know and and we all need to do that and that's actually you know this is actually very important for our generation to know um all of our cats who have pluto in scorpio which is the generation that we were born in, they need to understand this from a a very deep aspect. And that's actually the planet that rules this card is Pluto, the planet of ultimate transmutation and transformation. Pluto is the creator and the destroyer. If you are not viewing life through the proper lens and giving it through the proper expression, Pluto is gonna make your life a living hell. It's, it, it really does. It will destroy everything you have. Say you have Pluto in your second house, which is like, you know, which is like, um, it's usually considered possessions, but on a deeper esoteric understanding, and we'll get through this in the labors of Hercules, it's more represented by security. It's more of like what makes you feel secure. Say you have Pluto and Scorpio in that house and say you buy a car just to one up your neighbor. Pluto, if you don't buy that car for a spiritual reason, Pluto's going to either crash that car for you, he's going to repo that car for you, or when you're like shutting the garage at night and it's about to close, like right before it closes, you're like, I hate that bleeping car. And then the garage closes, but you'll just, Pluto will make you just hate it. Pluto's calling for your ultimate transmutation and transformation. This is also why they've denied Pluto as a planet. And we spoke about this a little bit before, but like, you deny Pluto and see what happens in your life. It's going to bring the fires of hell and you're really going to be burning in these boiling waters. And again, this was why the social engineers worked so hard for us to discount Pluto. So people don't actually see how Pluto plays a huge role in your life, but that's the ruler of this card. Pluto will destroy you and it's got no problem destroying you because it's the creator and destroyer. And what we're supposed to do with this Pluto, what we're supposed to do with this Scorpio energy that's manifested as an eagle is we're supposed to look at the cycles and the patterns of our life and make sure that they're creating the unfoldment and the development that our soul needs, not our physical body, not even our mental. Pluto and Scorpio want 
spiritual development and unfoldment. And it's through the cycles and the patterns that they kind of represent. And so that's what we see. We see that he has lightened his load, just like the eagle is much more lighter. It can fly through the air. It has a bird's eye perspective now on all the cycles and the patterns, right? Where the snake has no bird's eye perspective. And then the scorpion, which is a little bit better of a hunter, which is great. But the problem is the scorpions don't see well. They feel by heat. And so when the world gets a little hot and heavy and the scorpion gets scared, it stings itself and it's its own demise. And so what this is telling you is the only way to perceive yourself, the only way to save yourself is through this higher spiritual insight that's going to be provided by this this little bag that he carries, which is all his past experiences, which is his past cycles and patterns and carrying those with us and understanding how those cycles and patterns kind of manifest in our life. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. I love the way you just really broke that down truly, man. And, uh, and so, I mean, and I know you, you, we talked about even this, I like how you talked about how lightly he holds the stick because when we start going into the other archetypes and the symbols, again, you will, uh, encounter how, um, intensely they hold their power in their hand and why they do that. And so I can't wait to get into that to relate to exactly what you said about how lightly the fool carries, um, you know, this, this stick, you know, um, but you know, he, again, he doesn't abandon those experiences. And that's something that I really, really wanted to, to talk about, you know, um, I know that a lot of people, feel like they're controlled by their traumas and, and these terrible memories that we have. But, um, you know, but there's something about how they all need to be transformed in order to have that transmutation to carry us through the journey, you know? Absolutely, man. And, you know, one of the big things we learn in this, in this process is we cannot change the past, but we can change our relationship to the past. And that's what this is going to be kind of looking at. And that's how we lighten that load. We start to see it from this bird's eye perspective, say we did have something that was, you know, trauma that was put onto us by our parents or like an aunt or uncle that we trusted and they, and they, 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 um, they went against that trust by doing something. When we can get this bird's eye perspective, we can see that, you know, this is just a long line of people hurting themselves. They were hurt by somebody in their life. And so what that does is it allows for you to stop these cycles and you can actually heal your blood. And we talked about this in the esoteric significance of the blood, but this is what you're operating here. When you can see this bird's eye perspective, you can see other people's cycles and patterns and you get a bird's eye view and you get a better understanding that, you know, pain is just it's just the transferring of pain from one place to the other. And you are actually the individual that can stop this and create a new beginning. And that's what this fool card is kind of looking at this, this new beginning. No longer are you defined by your bloodline. No longer, you know, you can honor your bloodline, but you're not defined by the limitations from it. You know, when you talk to people and they're like, well, I'm I'm from a long family line of alcoholics. So I guess I'm going to be an alcoholic. And you're like, well, you didn't have to be, you know, there's, again, there might've been a lot of resistance. There would have been a lot of self-sacrifice and self-reflection to make sure you avoided those cycles and those patterns, but there's nothing in the future that is written that can't be rewritten with new cycles and patterns. That's how you become the master of your domain by looking at the cycles and the patterns of the past, how they're collapsing in the current moment. And in this current moment, you have the ability to rewrite cycles and patterns 
to create the future that you want. You know, we talked about that when we were looking at the tarot. At any moment you're in a tarot reading or an astrological reading and you do not like what is being said, get off that freaking table and start changing those patterns and those cycles. Don't get mad at the tarot reader for telling you how it is. Get off that table and change those cycles and patterns. And then your future is going to rewrite itself. It's exactly what you should take away from that. I love that you just said that. I, that's you're absolutely right, man. Um, yeah, don't get. Yeah, I think that that's something that we we encounter often is is who we get mad at and why we're mad from the change. But again, the the full card is there to remind you that you know the journey that you must take upon yourself is also that letting go is is taking the walk down from that place you once were into a new realm and that's what he's doing so casually and i love that the way you're saying that is that the patterns that no longer serve serve you anymore you know are sorry the patterns that are no longer serving you um rather need to be uh carefully looked at because again it's so natural for us to get angry want to anchor down to you know, a, a path that we've been on for so long and when it no longer serves a purpose rather than understanding that or knowing how to let go, you just want to sort of double down on it. And that's where you kind of run into trouble. And I think a lot of people start to blame their surroundings for that. You know, they're saying, well, I'm just trying to be here still in the position that I've been for so long. Why is everything else going against me? And the reality is you're going mm-hmm. against yourself. And, and that's very, very hard to, to do. And a lot of people go, oh, if something's not serving me a purpose, like a flame burning to my skin, I'll know how to move. And the truth is you won't because there are going to be these, these moments where to move away from the flame will feel cold. And the fear of, of being cold and being left into the cold sometimes can be bigger than the burn that is actually, you know, causing us harm, you know, because we're, we're, we're convinced that the flame is the warmth that we must you know, keep in order to survive. But sometimes you have to leave the fire or the campsite to go somewhere else far, far away. And that cold, that cold that's going to come upon you is only temporary, but it's, 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 it's not going to lend itself so easily. There will probably be a wooded area or a mountaintop to climb over before you see what's mm-hmm. on the other side. But you'll never know what's on the other side if you don't leave that. And so it's it's a very tricky, tricky position. But that's what I like about the fool. The fool isn't depicted as this sort of knight, this this warrior that's taking on the journey, pointing a spear into a direction that is so sure. It's quite the opposite, you know, and, and even his own... Uh, demeanor can feel that, you know, well, that's just foolish. That is just a foolish demeanor. I don't, I don't relate to that. You know, I've worked so hard to be this warrior and now you're telling me I have to take off Mm -hmm. the armor and just kind of be in the state of, in the state of flow. But again, that's part of the journey is to sort of let go. I mean, that's, that's literally what, uh, I mean, you and I know this as friends, but that's literally something that's happening to both of us in our lives. And, and I think that you have done a wonderful job of being um, homeless, of letting go, (laughs) (laughs) well, of, of walking away from that, that flame. And, and I've seen what you've been able to witness on the other side of that mountaintop. And, and thankfully, you know, as you left the campsite, uh, in this metaphor, so have I. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's great to have a, a friend be the fool with you and or already tell you, you know, 
um, hey, you're going the right way. I'm like, I can't tell you exactly where to step and not step, but you will know where to step and you will know um, how to let go. And, and again, I think the hardest thing for an individual like myself was actually letting go of that flame. And that might be a position in, in a corporate job or it might be you know, a relationship with another individual. It might be so many different things that people go through. I mean, we get all kinds of messages from individuals and their stories are never easy. But again, it's not easy to walk out into the cold and leave that small fire. But it's important to know when that fire is burning you uh, deeply, you know? Absolutely. And gosh, man, you, you bring up a good point in it, you know, and you look at that little feather above his head or, or her head, you know, we, it's, it's both right. It's androgynous. Um, you look at that little feather and it's red, right. And you think about, you know, feathers because this is that representation of air, but it's, it's bringing that fire with you and lighting that fire of consciousness. You know, you got your game on, now you got your flame on and the whole journey is going to start from that. And you need that internal fire, right? Cause that's, we talked about this. This is what the alchemist works with. It's that concentration. It's that internal flame, that internal light that lights up within us. And that's what we see that is enlivened with them. And he's, he's tapped in that the fire of the sun is the same fire that generates me. And we're following that right. same kind of path. You know, even looking at his his shoes and how they're yellow, right? This is why Dorothy walked on the yellow brick road following the sun following the light, following this aspect of creation, you know, and even when we're talking about that wand and that stick that he's carrying his things, you know, we, we talked about how he's loosely holding that stick and it's just resting very carelessly on his shoulder, but also this, this stick or this wand is also black and we're not going to see a lot of black in the major arcana. We're going to see a lot of, you know, in the minor arcana, we're going to see a lot more browns. But this is black to kind of, again, re-signify that zero because blackness is pure potentiality, right? It's like that. It's like when we were talking about that childhood aspect, when we were talking about the Saturn returns, how a child is limitless potential. It's not anything yet, but it could be everything, right? It could be everything, but it's not anything. And it's that limitless potential. And again, on that right shoulder, right? The spiritual path, kind of the spiritual he's using if you think about it when they're when you ever see angels and devils on people's shoulders like they're conscious the angel always is going to appear on their right shoulder because that's what this that's kind of that esoteric side and if you think about it the right side of the brain is that sacred feminine it's more of that yin energy right it's that darkness it's the womb of all life and that's where his support is it's on that womb of all life and and he has ultimate trust in it. And, you know, we talked about it. You you made that great point of taking that first step and the next step will appear. And we see that because he's approaching a cliff. But, you know, one thing that's that's more brought up in older decks um, is a lot of times you see like alligators. And so one aspect that we're going to see with obviously like these yellow shoes, the yellow brick road is we see this cliff that he's that he's walking on and this is this a connection to some older mythology this is going to be kind of an ode to egyptian mythology but if you look at the cliff that he's walking on there's an interesting pattern that actually kind of looks like 
almost like reptile scales. And this is representing a lot of information here. This is representing that as we go on this journey, we also stand on the shoulders of giants. Right. And this is an ode to serpent wisdom. Again, serpent wisdom is something that has been kind of kept from us in the West. We see this in, you know, even the move of Christianity, moving us away from serpent wisdom and kind of hiding that mythology. But what this is telling is this is the base to this guide because there's so much that's contained in this, in this memory. And it represents not only the R complex of ourselves, but this, this deep understanding that this is part of the journey and we're, we're starting to approach and starting to lean on much truer information. We're starting to start to understand stellar wisdom. We're starting to understand solar, lunar wisdom, even the wisdom of Saturn. And what this is telling us is the wisdom of the serpent. Right, we're going to see some tree wisdom kind of come in this, and this is something that we we talked about is what you want to look at. But what this almost represents too is the constellation Draco, which is the serpent. And so you're either going to see the serpent represented in the tarot, or you're going to see a lot of crocodile representations. And it actually kind of goes back to Sobek, which is the the protector of the goddess, the protectors of children in Egyptian mythology, and so. We're kind of just tapping into all of the of the deep wisdom that is the foundation of this. And that's one of the things that we have to understand too with what this fool. Yeah, the fool goes out on his own experiences and it's this new journey and it almost has this Aries energy. But we also don't need to reinvent the wheel when it comes to spirituality. We can stand on the shoulders of giants, and especially looking at ancient civilizations like the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the ancient Hebrew, all these beautiful cultures that gave us this deep wisdom. This is who we stand on, and this is who allows for us to confidently take that leap of faith because we know so many adepts in the past have done this and done it successfully. And even though the journey, the spiritual journey starts out fun, And you're like, oh, this is great. You know, very quickly, you're introduced to aspects of your shadow. You meet that anima and the animus. And the spirituality is a picnic for maybe the first 20 minutes. And then you truly have to go through hell. And again, religion is people who are afraid of going to hell. Spirituality is people that have already gone through hell. And that's the difference there. The other one just lives in fear about the aspect of maybe going there. Spirituality brings that experience to you. We talked about that with alchemy, right? You bring calcination upon yourself so the universe no longer has to kind of oppose it on you. And so, you know, again, this a very interesting thing. So you want to look at that because, you know, the texture of that cliff is different than everything else. It's It looks like scales and it's telling us about the the deep wisdom that's the foundation of this journey. And, you know, and we spoke about those mountains in the background as being you know, kind of our material experiences in the ups and downs. But these mountains also are an ascending pattern, which kind of shows that we descended from the most high. That's the fall from heaven. And the only way to make it back to heaven is through our own accord. God never comes to lift you out of the mud. You have to climb the ladder back up. And the only way to do that is the first leap of faith. And there's only one leap of faith. It's the first step. And then once you see that that step is put there, you're allowed to keep going on that journey. But the the scariest 
leap of the, the scariest step in spirituality is the first step because it's very, very difficult. But once we see that and we go through that journey, we go through the shadow work, we go through the dark night of the soul, and we work on incorporating these divine essences within ourselves, we reach a, a level of peace and understanding that was never afforded to us through material science and never afforded to us through physical goods. It's it's a beyond that. This is this is the ultimate arc. And so this is the beginning of the journey. And this is the beginning of the only journey. This is the beginning of the journey of the evolution of the soul. And this is how we make it back home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome, man. I really um I hope I hope that um you know, as we continue to talk about the the remainder of, of of the major arcana, people will see where the fool can appear and will appear, and that's what's great again about you know the fool being uh, that representation of how it will come in and again and again. Unlike the magician, which we'll be talking about uh, not next week but the week after. But I I, I think that um, yeah, man, beautifully said, dude. I, I again I couldn't have said it better. I had I had a lot of notes and. It, I ended up not even pretty much reading any of them just because even just like the fool itself, it's like what we talk about here today and how we um, interpret this is, is its own representation of the fool card itself. You know, it's like, there's no real right direction. There's no numer, there's no numerology involved other than the zero and there's no real right place to start. It, it's just, it's everywhere at once. And I think that's just how this whole interpretation should be. You know what I mean? Um, and start with the fool, yeah. but, um, but yeah, man, uh, you know, and then I know we didn't talk about so much about the fool card when it's upside down, but I mean, that's the inversion, right? We've talked about the inversion before, um, you know, and so I think that we'll, we'll bring up what that, what that really means, um, in the series as we break down, um, the major arcana into the minor arcana. And, uh, and I can't wait to talk about Pamela Smith more, um, you know, when we talk about the minor arcana, but, um, I mean, is there anything else you want to cover within this, um, within the full card? No, I think this was, you know, it was a good little start. And yeah, I think what we're going to do is we're going to kind of almost tackle reversals with the same conversation that we're going to look at retrograde planets in your birth chart, because it truly is. It's, it's, it's not just the opposite meaning. It's usually means that this energy needs to have some adjustments, some reorientations. And there's actually some deep power that comes with inverted cars um, in retrograde. You know, people always look at, Oh, my Venus is in retrograde and they just see it as this, why me, why me, why me? But no, there's, there's deep significance. You know, there's something so beautiful about people who are born in Mercury retrograde. They think a little bit differently. They kind of already see the world from this upside down view. And so there's amazing insight that they can bring that others can't approach to because they see the world from a different angle. And so we're going to talk about, you know, the, the positive aspects of all this, um, you know, in, and I do know that the, um, this, this, this aspect of, you know, this zero card and this, this zero really representing the, the sit, the, the, the cooperation with the, the unfoldment of universal design. Hmm. And that's what the zero card is really looking at where that 22, if the full card is ever labeled as the 22, this is more the materialistic, um, you know, the, the full card in the alphabet 
was represented as the T. And that is the divine source of energy coming down to earth. Right. And that would almost be represented as the 22. And what we actually want to do is flip the T and actually make our thought, emotion, and action completely directed up to the universe. And it's actually an upside inverted down T. And so again, there's so much unique symbolism that kind of comes from these. We talked a little bit about the correspondences of, you know, with Pluto and, um, you know, we really didn't go too much into the biblical references of the fool, but we also spoke that the Bible is going to be a little less descriptive of the fool. You know, we're going to see it a little bit more in some Gnostic texts. It does right? come up a little. Yep, yep. And it's going to come up a little bit more in um, Matthew is going to kind of, you know, talk about the fool, but more talk about like, you know, the fool is the uh, is the individual that curses God because he doesn't understand the ultimate plan. Um, so they really kind of look at it as the fool on the beginning of that journey. But the fool can have two expressions. The fool can have a spiritual expression and the fool can have a materialistic one. Right. One leads to death and one leads to liberation. Um, and we truly have to make that choice and we have to kind of go on that journey of liberation if liberation is truly what we want to exactly. acquire. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, yeah, man, I, I, uh, I, I can't wait to, to continue um, with these conversations. And, and I know that we're going to be doing these biweekly. Um, I know we're going to be continuing with the story of, of the 12 labors of Hercules, starting with the first labor um, next week. So I think that's going to be great, you know, because we're going to, we're, we're incorporating all of these sort of together and having this intertwining um, uh, journey between um, two different interpretations of, of, of an individual's path. And so, um, yeah, man, I think this, this was, this was really good. So I wish you were here um, back in, in, in the flesh, but you know, um, I know I'll see you shortly uh, when you, when you, um, return. So, um, I'll do my best to edit this all together and, uh, have a beautiful, uh, episode come out. I cannot wait for everything else that, that is coming in the, in the remainder of the season and, and the season after. So, um, is there anything else you want to add into this, man? No, you know, other than just always, the biggest thank you in the world to the listeners. Um, you guys have been amazing with the the sharing, the podcast, the reviews. It really means it means the world to us. And, um, and keeping us uh, up to date you know, with it, everything as we were traveling. You know, people were like, "Oh, there's this account coming up, and that account coming up, and you know, all kinds of little things are going to continuously happen to Daniel and I with the podcast, and you know, you have, um, you know, different." Um, I don't know, I guess glitches that'll occur within uh, these silly, silly individuals who, uh, you know, want to sort of take us uh, not necessarily down, but maybe not let us rise uh, together. And so thank you to all the individuals who had such concern for us. And I'm more specifically talking about- Oh, are you talking about, oh, the fake Instagram the account? Accounts. Yeah, I think- Oh, yeah. So if you see- reaching out to us. Yes. Thank you so much for everybody who alerted us about the fake Know Thyself podcast account. Um, please do not. Um, I think they're like asking for money and stuff. We would never ask for money for you. So anytime they're like, hey, um, yeah, there was some kind of some 
There was some fishy stuff happening on the, the yeah. interwebs, huh? We must be doing something. What was right. that all about? Yeah, you know. So, no, no. Yeah, so we have our you patron know, members, we, we people who want to contribute, they'll know how to contribute. But we'll never go ahead absolutely. And, and ask you beautiful people to to do such a thing. Yes, so, so would, thanks for just you know really just keeping us um, up to date. You know, uh, it was it was definitely yeah. interesting, especially while we were traveling. It's like a new vulnerable spot there, and I thought that was funny. But uh, we it prevailed. was kind of funny. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, no, thank you for the individuals that were looking out for that. Um, always the biggest thank you to the patrons. Um, you know, if if any individual is interested in natal chart readings, we are doing natal chart readings right now. Love having those personal conversations with each and every one of you. Um, but most, you know, the most obvious thing we want to share is just how much of an honor it is to be on this journey with each and every one of you. And we, um, we really truly feel um, whether you connect to us on Patreon, whether we actually connect through Instagram, whether we've actually like cross paths with each other. When you're like, I think I know that bearded homeless man. Is that Daniel? And I'm like, it is. All of those connections are the greatest things in the world. So again, such an honor to be on this journey with each and every one of you and such an honor to be on this journey with you, you beautiful man. Oh, dude, right back at you. Thanks for being such a great support for those that, you know, didn't pick up what I was putting down earlier in the episode. I have left my full-time position to go full-time now with the podcast and with, um, you know, this this production that uh, Daniel and I have been working on so much. And and again, Daniel, thank you for being so patient with me uh, during this transition. Uh, and it's just an honor to be on this journey with you and every individual who can relate to taking this leap this true leap and uh i couldn't be more fortunate to be a fool but a fool with a friend and actually many friends fools with friends oh we should start a band again <laughs> fools with friends <laughs> i love it i love it well yes my man it's gonna be it's gonna be great excited about um even some of the projects that we are planning for the third season you know and we're really now that we've got both of our energies we're going we're gonna to really focus on doing something maybe uh, maybe even bigger. And some of these bigger ideas we've always spoken about in the past um, now seem that they, they're a little bit more reachable. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. I don't want to give away know, too much. We will. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I know you know what? Things are coming. We know if we take the first step and if we're aligned, that step will appear for us and we will have the support we need. And so lots of love. Plus Romeo, my dog is a little white dog. So, you know, it's just like, couldn't be better. I look at him and almost like, you've right. been on that card with me this whole time. You, we got to love our familiars, man. That's They're the right. best. They're the best. Cool, man. Well, uh, until next time then. Until next time.